0: Gala Radio presents Beethoven the Basics, the podcast with Andy Bush.
1: Hi, I'm Andy Bush and thanks for downloading the fourth podcast of Beethoven the Basics. Look, you're at episode four now, you're part of the inner sanctum. I consider us good friends. And you might have thought, who is this clown in episodes one, two or three? He doesn't know anything about classical music, which is completely fair. But I'm learning and this is a learning process for all of us. And I thank you for giving me the chance. We are united in our fascination with Beethoven, the kind of bloke, if you were eating a buffet breakfast alone at a three star hotel, you think to yourself, I wonder what his story is. Just as he swipes the toast you've put through the toasting rotary machine, that kind of guy. This particular episode is hopefully a helpful way of getting to know the man behind the music because it focuses on his pretty disastrous love life. If you're feeling a bit unlucky in love, I'm sure you'll feel a hell of a lot better after you hear this. Episode 4 Beethoven's Love Life. Before we turn to the objects of Ludwig's affections, and there were quite a few, here's a handy scene setter from clarinetist Julian Bliss to paint a picture about the composer's lifestyle. Someone called Baron de Tremont said on a visit to Beethoven, picture to
2: yourself the dirtiest, most disorderly place imaginable. Blotches of moisture covered the ceiling. An oldish grand piano, dust everywhere with pieces of music. Under the piano, I do not exaggerate, an unempted pot de nuit. The chairs were covered with plates bearing the remains of last night's supper. You get the idea not quite
1: the image you probably had in your head of Beethoven. Piss in a bowl, former Q ladies and personality wise, here's a handy overview from award-winning violinist Nicola Benedetti.
2: It's unarguable that his personality was uh, tumultuous and was difficult and extremely fiery and absolutely filled to the brim with feeling, good or bad. <laughs> he is really the quintessential troubled character, this thing that's ascribed to most composers if they're worth their weight in gold. They have to be tortured and have a kind of unsettled personality and element to to their personal life. I think Beethoven sort of set the stage for that in ways that had never been seen before. Uh, someone who was never married, who who never settled for anything. I mean, a reading into Beethoven's correspondence with family members, with publishers, with fellow musicians, it's almost a little schizophrenic in how he switches from this kind of weirdly over-romanticised, sycophantic way of communicating with people to then unbelievable fury and temper. And of course, there are endless Endless accounts of him being a very, very difficult character to to communicate with person to person.
1: He sounds troubled, doesn't he? And you know what? That's why I'm drawn to him. Let's be honest, you don't go to the zoo to look at the llamas, do you? No offence to llamas. They're nice and that, but it's the scary stuff, the things that can eat you, that pulls in the crowds. It's this tempestuous character that makes him so fascinating, but proved disastrous for Beethoven's personal life. Here's assistant conductor for the Royal Northern Sinfonia, Karen Hendrickson.
3: Beethoven lived a life that um, really struggled when it came to relationships. He was often in and out of friendships uh, due to his temperament and in and out of relationships with his family, his brothers, due to his temperament. I think it's, it's safe to say that he, he did not kind of succeed on a daily basis in terms of human interaction and personal relationships.
1: In last week's episode, I described Beethoven's character as a tornado. And this tornado could flatten anything in its path, friend or foe. Leader of the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, Maya Iwabuchi.
0: He was deemed to be very temperamental, very mercurial, extremely difficult. He didn't have much of a filter and would blurt anything out uh, that came to his head, uh, to friends and strangers. And if you know anything about his background, though... Um, He had a very, very abusive father uh, who used to beat him whilst he was practicing the piano. And he also suffered from many, many health issues, IBS possibly, uh, depression probably, and certainly alcoholism. He really, really um, drank a lot. I mean, in those days, people drank a lot anyway because the water was so polluted that uh, they had to hydrate with wine and beer. And this he certainly did uh, to a a great degree.
1: So Beethoven never married and had the tendency to fall for some of his pupils. One such pupil was Therese Malfatti. Beethoven hatched a high-stakes plan of proposing to her at a party at Therese's home by, and this is pretty smooth, playing a piece of music he'd composed for her in front of all the other guests. Then popped the question, what could possibly go wrong? According to folklore, Ludwig had one too many Peronis to pluck up the courage and was too hammered to play the piece, let alone string a sentence together, to propose. What a legend! The object of his affections asked him to write her name on the title page, which he did, rather ineligibly, for Therese. Years later when she died, the original manuscript was found and the music publisher recognised Beethoven's handwriting, although he apparently misread the dedication, and that's why we all know it now as Fur Elise. So, in the classical world of Take Me Out, what made members of the opposite sex no likey, no lighty, for our Ludwig? Here's the musical director of the Hallé Orchestra, Sir Mark Elder. Beethoven's success or lack of success with the opposite sex was always fraught with difficulty. There were women all through his life who he yearned for and felt could be a great partner for him, but nothing ever came of it. He had friendships, but when he tried to make them romantic, it faltered. And I think crucial in this is the difficulty that he had in relating to the outside world but also his temperament and his personality. He had the ability to be extremely good company and to enjoy a joke and certainly to enjoy a good drink and food. But he was a loner. He was with himself. And there are so many creative artists in all disciplines who were like that. So he was a hopeless romantic with the emphasis firmly on hopeless. Maya Uwabuchi outlines the world's worst Tinder profile.
0: To put it really cruelly, uh, it has been chronicled that he wasn't really blessed with physical charm. Um, you know, He was short and very clumsy and pockmarked in his face you know, from smallpox. And so that wouldn't have done very much for his self-esteem, I would have thought. And he wasn't really into personal hygiene either, so... In spite of all that, he, I think he did have his female admirers. You know, I mean, there's nothing more potent than um, being in the presence of a genius, and he certainly was a genius. So that must have been very alluring for
1: for some women. One of the big romantic question marks in Beethoven's life is the subject of a famous letter, which is like something out of a movie. Listen to this.
0: It refers to a, a letter... That was found after Beethoven's death by his friend and secretary, uh, a guy called Anton Schindler. And the letter um, doesn't name anyone, doesn't name the, the the recipient of the letter. It was never sent. And there has been some sort of analysis done uh, of the, the age of the paper or the watermark that was found on the paper that the letter was written by Beethoven in 1812. So there's a lot of speculation about you know, who he knew at that time.
1: It's weird and almost tugs at your heartstrings a bit that this guy, with genius powers that were almost not of this world, found something as instinctive and as natural as love so difficult and frustrating. I've always wondered, if given the chance, if he'd swap one power for the other. Here's Karen Hendrickson.
3: When he did find this immortal beloved, it was clear that he really did cherish her, Um, But there was a realisation in that document as it went through. It's in in three sections, kind of a section of pouring out his love and then a section of what do you do about that love and then the kind of decision. And he, he did truly love this woman, but acknowledged that there was nothing that could be done about that.
1: His cellist Matthew Barley. From what he wrote about her, it seemed that he at least thought that she reciprocated his feelings. He acknowledged that it would be very difficult, that they'd both have to make sacrifices. But when he died, that letter was discovered in his belongings. So we don't know if he copied it, uh, if it was never sent, if it was sent and returned. It's one of the many, many mysteries about Beethoven's life. One of the many things that make Beethoven's life almost... Almost filmic in, in the scope of uh, the sort of romanticism that surrounds his life. So no nobody really knows who the Immortal Beloved was. There have been many theories, uh, but as many theories as there have been, they have all been debunked by somebody else. If this was a Netflix series, I'd be putting the kettle back on to binge watch another episode. So come on then, who was the Immortal Beloved? One opinion is that it was his friend and confidant, the Countess Anna Maria Adodi. Maya Iwabuchi from the Royal Scottish National Orchestra has her own theory.
0: Well, there are two women that come up for me when I when I read about this subject. Uh, there's a, a woman called Antonia Brentano, who was a wife of a friend. He knew Antonia and, his, and and her husband as a couple in Vienna around that time. And there's it's not founded, but there's speculation that he and Antonia had an affair for one or two years for me as a more convincing candidate for the for the title of immortal beloved is a woman called Josephine Brunswick whom Beethoven met uh, when he f- was very successful in Vienna and he was teaching there and performing there and he actually taught Josephine and her sister at the time and basically they've been they had been in contact for the ensuing 20 years after. And there are many love letters that exist that Beethoven actually did send to Josephine and uh, that indicate his undying love for her and devotion. And so I think quite possibly that it was this lady whom Beethoven was referring to in his letter.
1: I genuinely think that if he was around today and you work with Beethoven, You'd be petrified of asking to borrow his stapler, but on an office night out he'd be up doing sambucas and karaoke with him until 3 a.m. Anyway, back to Beethoven's love life and the effect it had on his music. His violinist Nicola Benedetti.
2: Beethoven being unlucky in love, I think was was destined. I mean, I I kind of flip-flop in how I feel towards things like this. Um, could he perhaps have come across someone that would be as accepting of him as he would be of them, maybe. But, And of course, there, there are so many, I think, over romanticised and dramatised tales of, of unrequited love or of love that could just never be. And I think it does happen to people, of course, it happens that the person that is that one for you is just in a practical sense, and not a relationship that that can be manifest. But I think for Beethoven, from everything I understand about who he was, the unresolved nature of his internal life was essentially, at its core, who he was. The fact of something not not resolving, and therefore his strive for an appreciation for and the the writing of that into his music for that resolve and joy and yeah resolution i i think that's who he was and of course had that ever really been concluded in any way had he been in a really settled relationship that was calm his compositions would have been i think really quite different
1: so maybe we should be grateful he never settled down because we can enjoy his passionate, complex, varied music and all its glory centuries after it was composed. Blimey, imagine if he had settled down and not stayed wild. Can you imagine Beethoven mowing his lawn on a Saturday morning? Did they have lawn mowers back then? Maybe. Can you imagine Beethoven making a modest living from writing ditties for harpsichord ads? Again, my grasp of the history this time. A little bit shaky. I'm Andy Bush and in episode 5 of Beethoven the Basics we'll continue with the important people in Ludwig's life but turn to his friends, frenemies and significant family members. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please rate, review and subscribe. A huge thank you to the London Philharmonic Orchestra and Signum Classics for providing the music across this series and the clip of Fur Elise we heard in this episode was played by Claire Williams. To find out more about Beethoven The Basics and all of the Scala Radio shows and presenters, from Simon Mayo to Mark Kermode and Angelica Bell to Alexis French, just head to scalaradio.co.uk.